Hey, listeners of the Bio Report. Before we get started this week, I wanted to tell you about the digital library from Deep Dive. How much time does your team spend looking for research papers? Google, PubMed, social media. There's got to be a better way. You can now search a reference database of 100 million scientific papers and read the full text of 20 million articles, annotate them, and share with colleagues. It's the smarter way to do research. Here's the best part. If you're like me and been frustrated by not being able to access articles you find because they're behind a paywall, I've got good news. With Deep Dive, you get one-stop affordable research. If you're a listener of the BioReport, you can try the enterprise version of the service for free for one month. Go to deepdive.com forward slash podcast and enter the code BIOREPORT. That's deepdive, D-E-E-P-D-Y-V-E dot com forward slash podcast. And the code is BIOREPORT, one word, all caps. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Osteoarthritis is a progressive disease of the joints for which there is no cure. The condition affects more than 32.5 million adults in the United States, and the incidence is growing as a result of aging, obesity, and sports injuries. Fluxion Therapeutics is developing an experimental gene therapy to treat the condition. Rather than correcting an underlying genetic mutation, the experimental therapy delivered into the joint codes for the production of the anti-inflammatory protein interleukin-1 receptor antagonist. It is expected to deliver, as needed, anti-inflammatory activity to joint tissues over the long term. We spoke to Mike Clayman, co-founder and CEO of Flexion Therapeutics, about osteoarthritis, the problem with existing therapeutic approaches, and the company's efforts to develop a gene therapy to get the body to produce an anti-inflammatory protein as needed. Mike, thanks for joining us. A pleasure. Thanks for having me, Danny. We're going to talk about osteoarthritis, the pain associated with that condition, and Flexion's efforts to address this with a gene therapy and development. Let's start with osteoarthritis. For people not familiar with the condition, what is it? Osteoarthritis is also known as degenerative joint disease. Um, what is seen is a progressive breakdown of the cartilage inside the joint, um, attendant inflammation, pain, and over time can result in the, the joint um, actually becoming uh, no longer as functional as it needs to be and is often attended by um, progressive and unrelenting uh, pain. Um, this is a very, very common condition 
30 million Americans have um, symptomatic osteoarthritis. 15 million Americans have symptomatic osteoarthritis of their knee um, and see their physicians for that. Um, 5 million patients receive uh, injections into, into their knee each year for osteoarthritis knee pain. Um, and you, you cross the threshold for receiving intraarticular injections as a result of exhausting your oral treatment options, uh, which unfortunately also, but understandably, also include opioids, anywhere from 25 to 40% of patients with symptomatic knee osteoarthritis are treated with opioids. And uh, we identified uh, the osteoarthritis as a very large unmet medical need that was ripe for innovation uh, and which had patients who really uh, wanted uh, and, and deserved better and longer pain relief than what was currently available on the market. And that's why we've moved in this direction. That's why we developed Zolred. I'll tell you more about that if you'd like. And also why we're developing a gene therapy for osteoarthritis. You say it's a, a, a big unmet need. Can you quantify the, the market? Sure. Well, I can quantify the market in terms of the intraarticular, the injection into the knee space market. I said 5 million patients a year receive um, knee injections. About 4 million or so of those patients are receive um, steroid injections into their knees. None of those steroids are formulated for sustained release, so they flood out of the joint following injection in a matter of hours to days, and the pain relief you get typically wanes after a few weeks. Um, and the other class, hyaluronic acids, a naturally occurring lubricant, which provides um, relatively modest pain relief. And uh, we developed Zolretta to address the, the issue associated with the steroids of inadequate duration of pain relief, particularly since steroids are not injected any more often than every three months. Five million patients receive these injections. Um, uh, if you multiply by the number, the average number of injections per year, it's a total addressable market of 8 million injections a year. Uh, and Zoretta has been launched, our sustained release steroid um, that provides on average, uh, based on our studies, four months worth of meaningful pain relief uh, following a single injection, we launched back in uh, 2017, and we're progressively getting Zoretta to more and more patients with osteoarthritis, knee pain. Um, and we've been very gratified by the results we've seen out there uh, amongst patients who have received Zoretta. Uh, how does Zoretta differ from existing steroids that are used? And what is the, do you encapsulate it or how is it time released? Yeah. And how does that change the outcomes for patients? Sure. So uh, as I mentioned, none of the previously on the market steroids are formulated for sustained release or either suspensions or solutions. So there's really nothing that retains um, the steroid, which is a small molecule within the knee joint. Uh, we uh, took a commonly injected steroid, triamcinol and acetonide, married it to a polymer called PLGA, polylactic co-glycolic acid, a polymer of two sugars, um, commonly employed for other products that where you want to create a depot 
uh, but all of those uh, those approved products are injected sub-Q or IM for different conditions using different um, drugs. What we did was we mixed um, triamcinol and acetonide with liquid PLGA and then manufactured that as microspheres, um, which are administered um, into the joint as a suspension. Once inside the joint, they begin to dissolve. And we engineered these microspheres so that um, they would dissolve over approximately three months. And what we've demonstrated is persistence of low but therapeutic concentration of triamcinol and acetonide in the joint for that three-month period. Um, and what we were designing for was more durable pain relief. What we observed on osteoarthritis-specific measures of pain relief, functional improvement, stiffness improvement, and quality of life was actually better efficacy than was seen with the immediate release steroid. We did um, head-to-head studies. So we're very pleased with that as a clinical data set. Um, and uh, as I say, are moving uh, along in the commercialization of this product to uh, increase the numbers of patients who can benefit from it. Flexion is developing an experimental gene therapy, FX201, Unlike most gene therapies, as people think of them, this is not intended to correct an underlying gene defect, but instead programming the knees to produce an anti-inflammatory as needed. How does FX201 work? Sure. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, a good intro, Danny, and um, it's a fundamental difference in the way one thinks about gene therapy. We're delivering a powerful anti-inflammatory protein as a therapeutic. Uh, and this is an approach that allows appropriate delivery of that protein uh, for a prolonged period of time based on the preclinical data, um, at least 6 to 12 months following a single injection. FX201 is a helper-dependent adenovirus serotype 5. The uh, genetic construct within it is uh, IL-1RA, uh, interleukin-1 receptor antagonist, under the control of a, an inflammation-sensitive promoter. So the idea is the vector is injected into the joint. It's taken up by the cells lining the joint, converting those cells into factories that produce IL-1-RA when inflammation is present. Once produced, the IL-1-RA suppresses the inflammation and the promoter turns off and the gene stops producing IL-1-RA. So that's why we think of it as on-demand anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, the helper-dependent nature of this it means that this vector is non-replicating. We also know that it's non-integrating. And our data to date, preclinically and clinically, would show that it does not distribute outside the joint. Um, by going locally, by injecting this into the joint, uh, a, a volume of about 5 mLs, one can at least in concept dose down aggressively compared to what one would be a, required if one was trying to achieve systemic concentrations of, say, in this case, IL-1-RA, um, where the systemic volume is three orders of magnitude greater than what is seen in the knee joint. Uh, and that's important because by being able to dose down, um, that translates into um, reduced COGS, which um, creates less of a 
a burden in terms of um, the actual the absolute um, cost of Cogs for us, uh, which translates into our ability, we believe, ultimately to deliver a medicine that matters, assuming the data bear this out to many patients in need. Um, Has ILNRA ever been used as a treatment for osteoarthritis previously? It has been used uh, locally, uh, and there are data that show that IL-1RA injected directly into the joint of patients, uh, directly into the knee joint of patients with knee osteoarthritis, provides a very nice but transient um, pain relief signal. Uh, Because when you inject the the naked protein um, into the joint, there's nothing that keeps it there. So it leaves within a matter of days. And you see waning of the pain relief signal in that over those over those days. Uh, so we uh, looked at that uh, and said to ourselves, if you could deliver IL-1RA persistently and appropriately, you could solve for the issue of transients of presence of IL-1RA in the knee joint. So we were enthused by that. And I think the other thing that more recently has come to light is um, uh, data from a study called the Canto study, in which an IL-1 monoclonal antibody, uh, this uh, called canakinimab, was being studied in patients who were at high risk for cardiovascular events. And this was many thousands of patients. Um, That study author group looked at a subpopulation of patients who had, who came into the study diagnosed with osteoarthritis. Um, and what they saw was patients who were treated with placebo, and this was every, as I recall, every three months for up to five years, either placebo or the monoclonal antibody, they saw a dramatic reduction in joint, uh, joint replacement surgeries for the patients who were treated with IL-1RA, which supports what we've seen preclinically, that not only does it reduce inflammation and relieve symptoms in preclinical models, but it also has evidence of slowing disease progression. So the vision for this product um, is that we would um, provide meaningful reductions in pain and improvements in function for at least six to 12 months following a single injection and also have the potential to slow disease progression. And you put all those together, this would be an absolutely transformative medicine in the space. You're using what's known as a helper-dependent adenovirus as a vector. Um, Certainly familiar with adenovirus vectors, but not um, with the term helper-dependent. What does that mean, and why the selection of this vector to carry the gene therapy here? Yeah, we we really like the idea of having a non-replicating vector. So you basically remove the genes from um, the the adenovirus that would allow replication, which then begs the question, well, how do you produce it um, in sufficient quantities if it can't replicate? And that's why you you, um, manufacture this helper-dependent adenovirus with a helper virus that supplies the needed protein products to allow replication of the um, of this construct, um, but what, and then you purify out the um, the helper virus 
So you're left with just the helper dependent virus, which can't replicate. And we found that to be quite appealing. And I'll mention that this was not originated by us. This was originated in Dr. Brendan Lee's lab at Baylor College of Medicine. Dr. Lee is a, um, a thought leader in gene therapy. And it's really, his, it was his vision initially, um, originally to create such a construct. Um, and we, we chose this because we also saw that um, in preclinical studies that Dr. Lee's lab um, conducted, there was better um, uptake and production of construct in the adenoviral um, vector than there was in the AAV vector. They did head-to-head studies in joint tissue um, to look at um, production of um, what was enclosed in the in the vector as a construct. So it was actually chosen quite purposefully to be an adenovirus and helper-dependent um, for the reasons I just described. Is it known yet how localized the effect of the gene therapy is? Does it go elsewhere in the body? And if it does, is there concern about having the protein produced elsewhere? Yeah, it's a good question. But as I was, I think, just touching on before, by injecting locally and having the vector avidly taken up by the cells lining the joint, at least in concept, there should not be distribution outside the joint. And it turns out that both the preclinical data and the clinical data that we're generating now support that we do not see distribution outside the joint. What's the development path forward? Well, we're in the midst of a single ascending dose study. We're looking at three different doses, um, and we dosed through the low dose, the mid dose, and we're in the midst of dosing the high dose cohort. We've also made the decision to create what we're calling expansion cohorts. The original single ascending dose study had five to eight patients per group. Um, the The expansion cohorts will add up to 20 patients per group so that we can have what, we'll, what I'll call a more robust number of patients to look at in terms of safety, tolerability, and efficacy. Um, we've, what we've guided to is that we will be sharing data from our, our ongoing efforts by the end of the year. Uh, and we just reported on data that we presented at the American Society of Gene and, and Cell Therapy um, just a couple of weeks ago that looked at the low-dose cohort, um, evidence of benefit um, out to 52 weeks in selected patients. Uh, I just want to mention this is an open-label study, uh, and so it's not at, as perfectly controlled as one would normally look for, but our view was in a first-in-man study Let's be sure we're looking at the data in real time, and hence the nature of a, an open label study. Um, so we're preliminarily encouraged by what we're seeing. We're looking forward to generating more data, and uh, we will look at those data, determine what they're telling us, and make a very thoughtful decision about the continued development of the product, having, assuming that we see a sufficiently encouraging signal. And what makes this a a compelling indication for this type of a gene therapy? Well, I mean, if you realize, Danny, I mean, if you're, once you're diagnosed with knee osteoarthritis, you have a 50% chance of going on to having your knee replaced. 
And that knee replacement is driven particularly by um, pain that's grown refractory to available therapies. Uh, not every patient is uh, interested in having surgery. Not every patient is an adequately acceptable candidate in terms of comorbidities for surgery. Anything that could slow or prevent progression to the need for knee replacement would be absolutely transformative in the space. And that's the, the, the our vision is to get, as I said before, at least six to 12 months worth of meaningful pain relief and functional improvement um, from um, this product. There is nothing out there that would, um, that is similar at all to this and it would represent best in class should it fulfill that even that, and it would be at one step above even um, that vision. If we had evidence of slowing of disease progression, it's a tremendous unmet medical need. There are over a million total knee replacements each year and people have them out of um, the, the fact that their lives have become compromised for reasons of, um, pain and, and functional compromise. Like other gene therapies, this is expected to be a, a one-and-done treatment. I expect it'll carry a relatively high price tag compared to existing therapies, but beyond the clinical data, are you thinking about other data you'll need to collect to make a case to payers? Yeah, I can tell you that um, health econ and, and outcomes research um, perspective is being applied um, as we speak, and we're being very thoughtful about constructing value propositions that will make sense. I think it's premature for me to go into dollars and cents, but I'm confident that if this product delivers, as we hope it will, we will find a path forward that will be uh, embraced by patients, physicians, and payers. Michael Clayman, co-founder and CEO of Flexion Therapeutics. Mike, thanks so much for your time today. Danny, a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.